0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates Price and Coverage Match Limited by State Law. Welcome to the PowerCat podcast. GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletic Show. Now, Here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to this week's post game podcast. I am not Tim Fitzgerald. I am Ryan Gilbert. He is Cole Carmody. It'll be the two of us recapping Kansas State's 41-3 victory over TCU here in Manhattan, Kansas. Fitz is under the weather. He's sitting right now on the couch with Daphne. I don't know where dude went, but, oh, there he is. He's behind Cole, so... Fitz has taken one out here. He did the walk and talk. But you're stuck you're stuck with me and Cole here for the post-game podcast as K-State gets his, gets it done and I think this might have been K-State's most impressive victory in quite some time. You go back to that Oklahoma State victory last weekend. It was a shutout victory that K-State had, but on all three cylinders, you know, special teams, offense, defense, K-State got it done and I think Cole, we got to start with the quarterback situation here. Everybody wants to know Avery Johnson, Will Howard, both getting in there and it's interesting. You go to the first play of the game. <laughs> Both of those guys yeah. were in there. And and obviously people talk about a two quarterback system not working usually and in football. It oftentimes doesn't. But to Chris Kleiman, you know, Colin Klein, whoever it is that is, is coming up with this plan, it, it's working.
1: Fifteen of twenty six for two hundred and forty four yards and four touchdowns. Seems good that's pretty good right and that was the stat line between obviously will and avery it is interesting right that first play of the game we had kind of heard some rumblings before right before kickoff probably 15 or 20 minutes uh before kickoff that hey both guys might be in the game at the same time and they were and that was really cool to see them both run out there avery johnson's first career start for k-state goes in the books as a wide receiver How crazy is that? It does count (laughs) the jet sweep to him he ended up getting about five yards or so. But I think that was kind of setting the tone right there that when Chris Kleiman says they're going to need both guys, they're going to need both guys. And Ryan, I was honestly not shocked because you know, Will has had some really good performances. Um, It it wasn't his best night. Like you could tell he was a little off. I don't know if he was pressured or what he kind of sounded in post game, like not ticked off but like the, there's still a chip on his shoulder he seems short yeah he did and I'm sure. th- still trying to f- kind of process that and figure it out um but he wants to play and he wants to compete and I thought he did a pretty good job of competing tonight yeah and I think Kleiman just loves Will Howard uh,
0: obviously his game on the field but off the field those two have just such a special connection and so I just it's hard to imagine a situation where he's just going to ditch Howard even if that's for the the betterment of the mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to I'm not going to deny that that's a possibility but just the connection that those two have he's not going to just completely leave him out to hang, right? He's going to get him involved in some sort of way here over these next few games, uh, you would have to assume.
1: Well, well Like I said, 10 of 16, three touchdowns, 154 yards. Now some of that is inflated. He talked about it after the game, the the long touchdown pass to DJ Giddens. Um, He said it was the easiest touchdown he's ever thrown in his life. He said, I think they forgot to guard DJ, and that's probably not the greatest thing. Kind of indicative of what TCU did all night on defense. They were horrible on defense. Um, I'm sure we'll get into that, but... um, There were some runs for Will that he had four carries for 62 yards, long of 30. It feels like, you know, maybe if Avery's in in that situation, that he might break that one and go for six and really – Avery didn't really have a lot of long runs. He did have a 23-yard run. That was his longest of the night. But Avery, 16 carries for 73 yards. He came into the postgame, had a giant bruise on the side of his neck. I asked him, is this the most physical game you've ever played well, in? It wasn't a hickey. Was it, it? it was not. It okay. looked like it, though. Okay, good. Go check out the video on okay. our on our website. Um, But, yeah, he said, yeah, this is the most physical game I've ever played. And you could tell. I thought Avery looked like a true freshman more tonight than he has all year. Sure. And... You asked him post-game,
0: right, that this was probably the most physical game he's ever been a part of, and the game against Texas Tech last weekend was just so easy for him. I don't even know if he got touched a single Mm -hmm. time in that game. He was just running all over that Red Raider defense. Obviously, this was a blowout victory for Kansas State over TCU, but it it seemed like he did get hit a little bit more. Things didn't necessarily come as easy as they did against Texas Tech, and obviously that's because – what he's doing is on film now, mm-hmm. but Cole, it seems like this, you know, this coaching staff still has a lot of tricks up its sleeve. We saw that first play of the game. Like we mentioned those two quarterbacks on the field at the same time after that, I correct me if I'm wrong. I think that was the only time. Yeah. Right? And so I think Missouri, we saw that a little bit, but that was probably because Will Howard was banged up. They want to get him, you know, off to the sidelines and, I guess near the sidelines yeah. playing a quote unquote wide out spot. But this this coaching staff still has a lot to work with with these two quarterbacks potentially being on the field at the same time.
1: They do. I think it's a really interesting idea because they always talk about how Avery is the fastest guy, you know, on the team. He looked fast on that jet sweep, right? Like he had a full head of steam. Um, it was definitely an interesting concept, right? You can see maybe the the building off of a formation like that where Will hands the ball to Avery, and then you know, he maybe ends up throwing. And the ball on the run or something like that. Um, I think that we could see that, especially when you get into a game against Houston. You want to try stuff, right? It's never you don't want to take a team for granted. And we'll have all week to talk about that game before, yeah. obviously, the big matchup with Texas. But it just feels like tonight they were really conservative in the second half. You know, you look at the stat line they they scored 14 points in the second half um, compared to 27 in the first half. A lot of that was due to, hey, we're just going to hand the ball off to Treshawn, hand the ball off to DJ. And maybe that's because of how well the offensive line played. I mean, Ryan, anytime you run the ball for 343 yards and you average 6.6 yards per rush, They're doing something right. And Chris Kleiman talked about it after the game, how well the offensive line played. But it felt like in the second half it was, okay, we know we have this game in hand. We're just going to turn the ball. We're going to hand it off. We're going to run some simple routes. And we're just going to try and chunk away and maybe hold some stuff back for a Houston or for a Texas, which I don't know if that's necessarily the right strategy, but it was something that they did. And ultimately, it was obviously super effective. You've got to play Chess, right? Yeah.
0: You can't just put all your eggs in one basket with every game. And so you mentioned nine, uh, six of six, excuse me, 6.6 yards of carry. Mm-hmm. That's, that's solid. That's respectable. That's going to win you a lot of games in the Big 12. But DJ Giddens was up near 10. He actually had 9.4 yards per carry and yards per reception. That one is yeah. obviously a lot because of that one big play that he had from Will Howard on that seemingly easy. That easy pitch and catch for a score, Giddens had 37.5 yards per reception. That's also stellar. But, Cole, we haven't even mentioned Jace Brown yet. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people are expecting him and Avery Johnson to have that connection, rightfully so. They're both freshmen, right? They've obviously gotten some of those reps together as the twos, but his touchdown catch tonight came from Will Howard.
1: You know what it looked like watching Jace Brown and Avery Johnson connect on those deep balls? And this is a comparison that I'm sorry. This is just it popped in my mind when I was watching the game, and I'm going to be maybe completely off base, but it felt like I was watching Colin Klein throw to Tyler Lockett. I mean, the way that those guys talk about each other and how he's my best friend, like on, off the field, on the field, we have this chemistry that it's just impeccable. And honestly, you look at Jace Brown, he's around the same size as um, Tyler was as his freshman year. You know, neither one of those guys were insanely highly recruited. Jace Brown, his only power five offer was K-State. He said after the game, you know, they took a chance on me. And so I jumped on it. I I'm not comparing Jace Brown to Tyler Lockett, but I don't think it's a stretch to say you could see those two develop the kind of relationship on the field that Colin and Tyler had. And you look at Avery and Will, you look at Avery and Jace. This is
0: just such a great example of the locker room that Kleiman has created. They talked about Will Swanson at the end of Mm -hmm, the game. They all just wanted him to score. And, you know, Kleiman said he was going to be angry at Howard (laughs) if he underthrew that ball by an inch more, but it it counted as a score, and that just shows you where this locker room is. And, Cole, we go back to two weeks ago after that Oklahoma State loss. People were talking about, oh, you know, what does K-State have to do to go to the Big 12 title game and all this and that. After that loss in Stillwater, those conversations
1: were out the door. Mm-hmm. Two straight victories – we can start having that that talk again. I believe so. I mean, the team that I saw play TCU tonight and the team that I saw play against Houston in Texas, I mean, it's going to come down to that. It really feels like both of those teams are on a collision course and you've got to look at the schedule, but it feels like that could be a game that could get some major national publicity. I don't know, game day, I don't know, big noon kickoff. I'm sure there's some good games that weekend. Um, That just feels like a a game that is set up for – whoever wins that game is going to go to the big 12 title and be. obviously k-state has some tough games down the road and you don't want to overlook houston because just like i said they were you know a few yards away from beating texas so that game obviously is still very much uh, up in the air if you're k-state but you take care of houston and, and then you get bowl eligible right i think that's the biggest thing they're five and two right now regardless of what happens you take care of houston you're bowl eligible that's something to be proud of and something to be to be happy that you accomplished, then you go then you go to Texas, and we've talked about that game a little bit, but then you come back home and you get Baylor at home at Kansas and Iowa State at home. Three of those games that are very winnable and you probably should win, so it's really setting up for k state um down this stretch i'm I'm excited to see what happens again that team man, that defense that we saw out there tonight. I mean, we haven't even talked about the defense, but right. that was impressive. Yeah. I mean, there, I don't even know where you start on that side of the
0: football. Obviously, the big, quote-unquote, big play came from Des Pernell getting his first interception of his career. But Jacob Parrish was inches away from getting yeah. a sack in the backfield. That kind of a loophole in the scorebook is not ruled a sack. But everybody, top to bottom, man, just played great. And I, I get it. The stats aren't crazy. There was only one recorded sack on the game from Banks. But – and that was probably, I think that was a garbage time play, mm-hmm. but still top to bottom. The defense was great, but as dude, you want to get involved, don't you, man? <laughs> Just because Fitz isn't in, in this, you still got to get involved, right? But yeah, I mean, defense, offense, and special teams, like I mentioned, was, was great. And uh, Cole, I tweeted this out or X it out. I don't know how you call this, mm-hmm. but every stat here on the stat sheets is greatly in K-State's favor, mm-hmm. but On third down, K-State was 10 of 13. TCU was 2 of 13. So that's obviously offense and defense combining there. Now, fourth down was a little different. TCU did convert uh, two of its three. K-State was 0 for 1. And, you know, those could be better. But those third down plays are what win you football games. Mm And K-State wins this game
1: if it's one of 13 on third down, probably, but to go 10 of 13 is impressive. That was really impressive. I mean, that's really the key, right? If you're 10 of 13 and you hold the other team to two of 13, you're keeping the ball longer, 80 plays or 78. Play- I think they ended up with 78 plays. Um, again, I don't remember like they ran 82 plays a few weeks ago um, at home it would have been against UCF, but the fact that K state's able to keep the ball from the opponent It just gives you a better chance at scoring points. And, again, TCU getting into the red zone two times the entire night. This was a TCU team that scored 44 points last week. This this is not Iowa State. This is not Iowa. This is a team that scored 44 points a week ago, and they got in the red zone twice. Like, that tells you all you need to know, and there were some major question marks about this Kansas State secondary, and I got—I talked about it on the Friday walkthrough. This felt like a game where K-State could plant their flag in the ground as a secondary and say, okay, who cares? This guy threw for 450 yards last week. You know, people are writing K-State secondary off, and uh, shout out Keenan Garber, man, like – This is a guy who Chris Kleiman said a year ago was a backup wide receiver who was probably questioning everything. He started the last few games at corner and looked damn good. It was really impressive to see him play. And uh, he really started over Willie. Willie got into the game towards the back half. I'm not so sure that Keenan Garber doesn't earn a start next week. I I don't know what they're going to do with that. But, man, it's going to be hard to get him off the field. His speed – I know they've talked about it before when he was at the wideout position, but he is fast and he's able to, he was able to run with those TCU, um, TCU receivers. And I, I I'm, I'm looking at the stats right now. I don't believe that um, JP Richardson had nearly that. Yeah. He had three catches for 21 yards yeah. after having over a hundred yards last weekend. I mean, that's a guy who KC obviously they targeted him six times again, Savion Williams, only four catches for 60 yards they really did a good job of shutting down the big plays for TCU.
0: Those big plays early on in the year, it was K-State's weakness on the team. Mm -hmm. Let's be blunt. Those were happening on a consistent basis. And then K-State kind of flipped the switch and played off on defense and would rather be dinked and dunked all day long, so to speak, right? Death by a thousand paper cuts. And that's kind of what happened against Oklahoma State. I'm sure there might've been a big play in that game, but... K State kept the Oklahoma State offense contained, but just gave up five, six, seven yard gains constantly, and that's what led to that loss. So, Cole, I think this defense has honestly just put it together and they're playing harder. I don't think they changed up a whole lot. <clears throat> Siegel has 100% improved. Parrish has been, you know, locked down defender. Will Lee still did get in there tonight and, and didn't look bad, but Garber absolutely. Stole the show, but who really stole the show in this entire game was the offense, putting up 41 points. But it's tough to to ignore what the defense did. I mean, Cole. I know that maybe some people out there were sweating some bets (laughs) that might have live bet the game. Some people. It was what 34 and a half, I think. 31 and a half. This room might have placed, but K State's defense held tight, and this game was over honestly, by halftime. And so that's a perfect segue to end out this first half of the questions. I said questions podcast. I'm in questions podcast, mode, aren't I?
1: Yeah, we haven't done a questions podcast together. Me and you,
0: it's been a while. But the PowerCat post-game podcast will be right back after this. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. Welcome back in here to the Powercat post game podcast. I am Ryan Gilbert. He is Cole Carmody, Kansas State victorious over TCU 41 to 3 at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Cole, I don't think we've touched on the linebackers yet from this game and we had obviously at, at Mike linebacker Jake Clifton making his mm-hmm. first career start at that position and he's just been moving all around the linebacker room and he's been He's been fine in, in every position that he's been in.
1: I love Jake Clifton. Like the moment I saw that K State had officially signed Jake Clifton. So flashback two years ago, um, his senior season. Actually, K State was going to play Oklahoma State the night before. I had a chance to go watch Jake Clifton play his senior season. At that time, he was already committed. I think his team lost like ten to nine. Oh. And um, yeah, for, it was oh. it a Thursday night football game from last year? <laughs> yeah, it felt like it, right? <laughs> his team lost ten to nine, and Zach and I were going to and talk to him after the game but this was a kid who was the leading tackler in the game was in tears afterwards over a regular season game because of just how hard fought he was he was making every single play and it was like okay now i see why the coaching staff likes this kid and you know credit to k-state for getting this kid it was a fended off oklahoma late they showed some real interest, yep. but he studied, st- you know, firm with K State, and I. This is a guy that when he got reps early on last year, I was not surprised. He performed well. If you go back and you watch that Big Twelve championship game, he's in there on the fourth down stop. And so, coming into this season, I thought for sure that this is a guy who's going to start. But the coaching staff that just tells you how much they think of him that they're willing to play him at all three positions, the best availability. Is being available, right? That is, I, I just totally messed that saying up. But I get the best get kind it. of ability hey. is availability. I get sorry, it. I get it. The best ability is availability. So when you're uh, when you're able to play all three different linebacking spots, that just means you're going to be in the game more. Um, but he didn't do that tonight. No, Austin Romaine, which we would expect to see him back. I would yes. I would assume next week. Um, he looked amazing. I mean, this is a kid who, like I said, his competitiveness, it it just bleeds through to everybody else. Not the biggest guy in the world, but he kind of reminds me of the guy he plays next to in Austin Moore. I mean, very similar. And they they don't have the biggest linebackers in the world in K-State with Purnell and Clifton and Moore. Those guys get after it, and it was impressive to watch tonight. Real quick here, you mentioned Romaine. Also, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention
0: uh, Ben Sinnott banged mm-hmm. up. I don't know how long he'll be out, but... Don't be surprised. Keegan Johnson as well. Does miss some time. Johnson as well. So, of course, Cole Carmody, our own, provides you with the injury update every week at Go Power Cat. But those are two guys, I guess three guys, to keep an eye on right. for K-State. But I'm glad you mentioned Jake Clifton because I have my own recruiting story with Des Pernell. Um, me and Zach Carlson, we, we saw him out in Topeka. believe it was his senior year uncommitted at the time and we we love wally right wally does a great job but this was one of those where we're like wally what are we doing here like is this really worth our time Mm -hmm. to go out and see this kid i don't know how many offers he did or didn't have at the time but certainly not a highly rated recruit and we went and talked to him and sure as heck he's he's a wildcat and he's as chris Kleiman said he's an all-conference player may that be a little rich sure but we talked about Pernell earlier, but you can't say enough about what this guy has done for this linebacker room. And Cole, when Daniel green went out for the season, do you think that we overreacted a little bit? Do you think that obviously off the field, that's, that's tough to lose a guy like that, to lose your leader, but on the field, I think K States, but done. Okay. Yeah. They've maybe done good without Daniel green. It's weird. Is that that
1: fair? I I think that's fair. I mean, it's weird, right? Like, I feel like they've had to change the style they play. Sure. Because with Daniel Green, he was blitzing constantly. I mean, he would come down from that mic position constantly. And it always felt like they relied upon Daniel Green to make those tackles. So, if it, you know, not to get too deep into the X's and O's, but if they were going to slant somebody one way and maybe leave a gap open, they knew that. Daniel Green was going to be able to fill that gap and probably make the tackle, too. Well, there's a lot more base defense that are happening, and they're not maybe blitzing one linebacker as much as they used to. If they blitz, they're bringing the house. And I I think that they've had to adjust, and Joe Kleinerman has had to adjust without his leader. I mean, of course, right? It's the same thing if a quarterback gets hurt, you change your offense. But the way that Austin Romaine, Jake Clifton, and you throw in Des Pernell, I mean, I would almost say that... Thank you, dude. I would almost say that Desmond Purnell and Jay Clifton have been better than Austin Moore. And that's nothing against Austin Moore, but these guys have really stepped up.
0: How about Chris Tennant, man?
1: Yeah. Uh, Against
0: Simo, he's perfect, I believe. I think he was perfect against Troy as well. We'll give him maybe a pass for the Mizzou game on the road. That was uh, not the best weather day Mm -hmm. for him. ECF was bad, Mm -hmm. and his confidence had to be low after that one. He's bounced back tremendously, perfect against Oklahoma, or excuse me, he missed one against the the Cowboys, right? Mm -hmm. So I guess that was when maybe the confidence was at its lowest, right? Perfect against Texas Tech, which is on the road, which isn't easy to do. 47-yard field goal, big time. Right, and he didn't have, I think his long tonight was 40, Mm -hmm. and so he didn't have a a super long kick, but still, K-State scored a lot of points, a lot of those did come from extra points, but that's big to get Chris Tennant's confidence going here in this kind of heart of the season when let's be honest, Cole, it was low. Uh and there were there were valid, you know, frustrations and concerns with tenants with, with his leg, but now I think that there is a, a real trust in, in him now from Kleiman. It feels like he's on a roll,
1: right? And it's kind of like, you know, if I know, Ryan, you're not Here a golfer. The, is it going to be baseball? It's it's kind of like baseball. I was going to go with golf. Okay. Kay? All right. But Chris Kleiman's... You're com- swinging something. Yeah. Chris Kleiman's compared it to putting before. But, you know, I, I'm not that good of a golfer, but it's kind of like me when I'm up there and I'm getting ready to drive, right? If I if I yank my first tee shot into the water, I'm like, okay, well, let me throw my provisional down. And if I stripe that one, I'm like, like all right, like we're off to a good start. Yeah, and then this—the real trick is the second tee box because if you can lace your drive down the middle, then you know all right, I got the first one out of me. Now I'm on a roll. And if we're gonna compare that to the college football season, there have been times where Chris Tennant has yanked his first two shots into the water, but he's recovered. And I mean, it's it's kind of impressive to watch. I mean, Ryan, like this is a guy who has an NFL leg. Like I I, I watch him and I look at him during warmups and I'm like. This guy looks like Harrison Bucker. Like, I'm not comparing, you know, the leg strength or anything like that. But from a physical size, I mean, Chris Tennett is probably what he's I think he's listed at 6'3. Mm-hmm. He's all Thank of 6'3. Yeah. He is a big dude. If you didn't know better, you'd think when he got off the bus he was playing receiver. Um, you want to know what I'm on ESPN right here? Yeah. Six five is what six, five. ESPN lists him as. Okay, I don't know if he's six five. Six five, inflated? Maybe a little Maybe. bit. Maybe an inch or two, but it's still it's still ridiculous. I mean, this is a guy who can be a weapon for K-State. I don't know if he's at the weapon stage, but he's getting to a point now where he's starting to be more reliable. I thought kickoffs were outstanding tonight. Special teams in general, very, very good. Uh, one punt, so we didn't see much of Jack Bloomer, but um, no penalties. I don't believe on special teams, which is the first time that's happened in good point quite a while. So maybe they're starting to figure that out, but again— just an overall outstanding effort by everyone and that and that special teams
0: right if that's not something that you're talking about that's not a bad thing right right? it it goes for cornerbacks right oh he had a quiet day it's probably a good thing that we're not focusing on this group right now and sure you would have loved to have had a a big score or something but I don't think TCU punted too much they Mm -mm. went for it two or three times on, on fourth down three times right so those are drives that are getting extended and stuff like that. Obviously three points. You're not going <clears> to <throat> score too much, but, but yeah, tenant was big. Special teams are big and seriously, we can't emphasize this enough. The, the offense, defense, special teams,
1: everybody on their a game tonight, Cole, they won all three phases. And I don't know. I don't know, if, I don't know if they've done that. You know, you go back. Okay. Simo Troy. Sure. They won all three phases. They didn't win all three phases against Missouri. I think special teams might've played a big contributor in losing that game. Um, I guess you could say they won all three phases against UCF, but there were times where, again, special teams was a little shaky. There were some penalties, probably did, but the one common theme amongst all these wins, if you can win at least two out of the three, offense, defense, and special teams, you're going to win. And more times than not, Right. More times than not, special teams is m- almost more of an indicator than that offense or defense. If you win special teams, that's that that's that one area where if you win special teams, you're probably going to win the game. And I mean, again, obviously, offense, defense, special teams tonight. But how about the crowd? That's the other thing first I want to talk first about. First thing climate talked about. I, I was it felt like the KU game last year, right? That, that felt like a big time environment. And, you know, I don't know if it's the night kickoffs that give people more time to actually get into the stadium, but that thing was full. That place was loud, throwing the Harleys on top of it. (laughs) And it was an awesome environment for college football. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. This was my first game here in Manhattan since Troy Mm -hmm.
0: on September. That's crazy. (laughs) So it's been a while since I've been here for a game. I forgot how loud this place gets, mm-hmm. right? And no offense to Texas Tech or anything like that, but, yeah, the night game certainly has something to do with it. There was some juice here, and it makes a difference. It really does. And Kleiman, he he opened up his his press conference with that. Cole, I want to ask you your take as the, as the football expert here. <laughs> does this situation with, with Will Howard, does this – He's got no interceptions his last two games, mm-hmm. Now, obviously he doesn't have as many attempts. He's only got uh, 25 attempts over the last two games, so sure. Has this allowed him to play more cautiously and say, oh, okay, I'm not the starter here. My job is in jeopardy, so I can't be turning the ball over. Mm-hmm. In a way, has this helped out Will Howard be more of a conservative quarterback?
1: I think so. I think that's a good point, but you know, I, I don't necessarily know if that's a good thing.
0: It's Is it good or bad?
1: Yeah. Right. Because last year, you know, everybody knows the stats. 15 touchdowns, four interceptions. But he threw some balls in some tight windows. And at the time, it was, oh, he's a gunslinger, right? He's he's willing to roll the dice. He's still willing to roll the dice. But I didn't see him trying to, you know, force balls in any tight windows like he did early in the season. I think Will is kind of at the stage where he's still trying to figure out what his role is going to be. I think if you ask Avery, he is totally comfortable in his role. And if you gave him the keys to the offense, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a second, if you gave him the keys to the offense, he would probably be okay. But I think Will is trying to process everything, right? Like, where does he go from here? He knows that he's going to have a role in this team, but I don't think anybody envisioned this being his role at the start of the season, including him. So he's kind of at a crossroads. I do think that... When he is able to manage the offense, he's a very good game manager. He doesn't have the playmaking ability that Avery Johnson has right now. But if you give Will and say, this is what we need, get us in the field goal range, I feel very confident that Will's able to do that. Against Houston at home, Baylor at home, Iowa State at home, that's
0: okay to have Will Howard Mm -hmm. be that guy. But can you win a game in Austin against a top-ten team on the road With a guy just being a game manager. Right. That's a great question.
1: You need a guy that's going to make some splash plays. I think we're going to see a lot of Avery Johnson against Houston. And I don't think it's going to be because Will Howard plays bad. I think we're going to see a lot of Avery Johnson against Houston. Because uh, I know Fence has talked about this. And we talked about it on the last post-game podcast. But I, I look at that game against Texas as if you're really wanting to go all in and get back to the Big 12 championship game. I think Avery Johnson has to be your starting quarterback. I mean the stuff we saw from that him tonight. Wide receiver or quarterback? Yeah, great. There you okay. go. The stuff the things we saw from Avery tonight, Ryan, I was it was hard to it was hard to comprehend, right? Like that first throw to Jace Brown on the near sideline to us, I that was it was incredible. I, I don't remember the last time I've seen a quarterback throw a ball that that beautiful. He dropped it in there. He dropped it right in there, and he did it again with Jace Brown. And, like, we're sitting up there next to NFL scouts, and I kind of turn my head, and they're just shaking their head and laughing. Yep. I mean, you had NFL scouts laughing because that ball was thrown so perfectly. We were talking in the press box. He th- he runs like Lamar Jackson, yep. but he threw that ball like Aaron Rodgers. But that playing specific to Brown, that is
0: repetition, and that's also mm-hmm. partly on, on Brown to, you know— it, It's both of them, right? Johnson knows exactly where he's going to be at the exact moment in perfect ball. Just a dime. Do you think that Avery starts at Texas? The way things are going, I'll say yes. Deep down, I'll say yes. Is that the right move or the wrong move? I'm sure we can get into that at maybe a later time or now. I don't care, but I'll say yes.
1: Think about how wild that whole sequence of events, is, of events is going to be. If K-State takes care of business on Saturday against Houston, which I'm not a betting man. I know you're not either, but yeah, I would imagine... Absolutely not. Never w- bet a dime would be, in my life. ...would be a double-digit spread probably to open up. Um, you, K-State fans, the time obviously will come out on Monday... I think if I were to guess, that's either an 11 a.m. kickoff or big noon. It's also the same night, same day as Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. So, whichever game, one game is going to be at 11 and one game is going to be at night, I would imagine. So, you get that as a K-State fan. Then you get a day off. And then you get to watch K-State take on USC in Las Vegas to open the, se- to open the season on TNT National Television.
0: Which, me and Fitz are taking one for the team.
1: We have to go to Vegas. There's two of us needed there and... We're happy to do it. Continue. Think about that as a K-State fan. You get to watch, potentially, your future of your program in Avery Johnson, maybe beat a top 10 or even a top 5 team at the time in Texas to put your team in position to go to the Big 12 championship game. And then two days later, you get to go see the former, the runner-up, or, or not the runner-up, would it be the runner-up in the regional, I guess, for K-State basket in the NCAA tournament? Um, regional runner-up? yes. Um <laughs> in the Elite Eight, a former Elite Eight yeah. team. That's one way to put it. It's 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 a great time to be a K State fan. And so I think that um there's gonna be some some difficult times ahead, no doubt, but when you go specifically look at this team and at the quarterback position, I I'm not ready to say that it should just be Avery Johnson because there was definitely some shaky moments in that game. But the more you play him, the more comfortable he's gonna get. And it's, it's getting dang close to being Avery's team. Yeah, we're getting there. You talked about the upcoming
0: schedule, when it may be Avery's time, and how prominent will K-State be in this Big 12 race? Well, OU picked up a win over UCF today. Texas beats Houston. Baylor beats Cincinnati. Oklahoma State beats West Virginia. And BYU beats Texas Tech. So K-State at 3-1. and one, There's a couple teams there. Texas, OSU, and Iowa State are all 3-1. Oklahoma... 4-0 I, other than oklahoma and texas are you really scared of oklahoma state iowa state i mean that's a 3 and one team which yeah is crazy, crazy to think about season, that like wow like credit to, to matt campbell where it's to
1: well then you look at iowa state's schedule the rest of the way and you're like okay well how long is this going to last because the they got 10 some tough games differential on the season plus in 10 conference play excuse me plus 10 they they go on the road to baylor next weekend which could again maybe be a sneaky game baylor's kind of starting to figure some things out then they got to play KU then they got to go to Provo and then they finish the year with Texas and K-State so if Iowa State is any good we'll know before they play (laughs) K-State right um but yeah I mean this is this conference is so weird man like I I don't know what to think like I, I think I know and every time I think I know it's completely backwards Oklahoma State plays at home next weekend I was talking about it let me pull up the schedule I believe they have Cincinnati at home it, it wouldn't shock me if cincinnati won that game absolutely not I, like this is yeah. just the way it's things the are going and do i think k state's better than oklahoma state yes but i can't say that with certainty because of how things happen in stillwater no team to answer your question even including the oklahoma team i saw today play ucf there's not a team in this conference that i don't think, that i don't think k state could beat on any given saturday
0: you just can't take You have to take rankings with a grain of salt. Like When you see Texas go out and beat an SEC team, just because that's an SEC team doesn't mean they're going to win the national championship, right? I get it. Alabama had a nice comeback win today. But until you actually square off with a team, you don't necessarily know what you're going to expect. Of course, Texas is going to be a tough game, but who knows how Kansas State matches up with the Longhorns. There's so much that goes into these games that... You really don't know what's going to happen until it takes place. And Cole, I'll I'll pull one out of your book here. That's why you play the game.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you go back and you look at that Missouri team too, that K-State lost to. I mean, fluke 61-yard field goal, right? We don't have to rehash that. But they're probably a few plays away from being undefeated. They mop the floor with South Carolina at home. They get a bye week. And then they get the number one team in the country coming in. Or, sorry, they go to Georgia to take on the Bulldogs. But outside of that, they get Tennessee at home, Florida at home, and at Arkansas. That's a team that can realistically finish 10-2 and two on the season. And that's a team that K-State should have beat. Yep. So, yep. I mean, this and is... And play in the SEC. Correct. This is, a, this is a really good K-State team. And I think folks are starting to realize why the future of K-State football is so bright. And, and I'll, I'm sure we're getting close to the end, but I, I want to mention this is... K-State, the reason why tonight was so important was not only did they put an absolute whooping on the horn Frogs, but they did it in front of a bunch of kids and recruits mm-hmm. who were at the game who could have immediate impacts next season. And that's a big deal because now you get all of these kids able to come to the game and see the environment, see how they would be used, and... Ryan see a true freshman quarterback throw to a true freshman wide receiver and just see all the amazing things that happened tonight. I mean, It's a big deal and I have a feeling that we might see some of these names pop up over the next week or so because that had to leave a big impression.
0: And you're more of the football recruiting guy than I am, but this was easily the biggest game of the season in Mm -hmm. terms of hosting recruits. Maybe one of the biggest ever in climate's time and there was no basketball recruit here this weekend. K State's actually on the road right now. A secret scrimmage on on Sunday night. They'll be playing against SMU. So keep an eye on Go Power Cat for that. But next weekend, Patrick Gomba is going to be in town. I mean, that's going to be. It's no secret that's the K State staff's mm-hmm. biggest target that they've ever gone after. Period. Like they I, they've got R J Jones, Ames, Castillo, all these guys. They got to come here. I don't think they wanted any of those guys with all due respect as badly as they want Gongba. so I don't know if K-State's in a great spot right now with him, but K-State's is not giving up. And so these, if K-State can have another game like this, it's not going to be a, a bad thing for,
1: for where they may may or may not stand with even a basketball recruit. It's amazing it how, matters. it's amazing how the sports intertwine and you know what credit the fans because without them, I sound like Chris Kleiman without them, <laughs> nothing would be possible. It, it was an outstanding night of football and K State is they're they're hitting their they're hitting their mark at the right spot. So
0: I, I want to wrap up with this, Cole. And you mentioned hitting their stride right now. Does K-State having that bye week after just one conference game? Is that has that kind of benefited them now that they are hitting their stride? On the flip side though, is that gonna maybe come back to bite them? Say after a game at Texas where mm-hmm. you've played, you know, five, six games in a row and you're tired, you're beat up. Who knows who's going to be injured at that point? It's obviously working out now with two straight wins, but is this sustainable for the next five games that you can rely on this
1: team to stay healthy because injuries are. Part of the game well this is what happened with tcu last year tcu had a bye week i believe at the same time that k-state did okay obviously they ended up running the table and going 12 and 0 in the regular season before a certain team knocked them off in the cool. conference title game um but they really started to hit their mark and that really happened after the k-state game which would have been this week or last week i believe um a year ago to a year ago but Honestly, I think it, it worked out for them because K-State is fairly healthy right now. Um, we, obviously, we need to wait and see what's wrong with Keegan Johnson and Ben Sinnott. Those are two really big injuries that yeah. K-State probably doesn't need against Houston, but they'll need against Texas. Um, but other than that, I mean, yeah, injuries are a big deal, but they're going to be a part of the game no matter when the bye week is. I think as long as K-State can keep their main guys healthy and can keep that momentum rolling – it's going to end up being a good thing that that bye week happened early. If you want to be optimistic, Avery Johnson
0: being at quarterback is not as, if you're not going to have Ben Sinnott, I don't think that's as big of a deal just mm-hmm. because of the connection that Howard and, mm-hmm. and Sinnott both have. But uh, you can get by without Romaine. Keegan Johnson hasn't necessarily been that guy that all of us thought he was going to be this year. And K State sure as heck has proven that they can get by without Daniel Green, right? Early on in the season. Sure, the offensive line had its struggles, and it took them a while to gel together. But now that they're healthy, now that Duffy's back, it injuries are part of the game. But you know, one of one of Climate's greatest strengths really is navigating
1: a roster with injuries. It's the depth. I mean, it's what we've talked about all year. The depth is shown. The depth showed tonight. It was impressive. And you know, you 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 look at these guys, and it, it goes goes back to the recruiting thing, right? Like. They might not be the highest rated recruits, but they find a way to get the job done and especially against a team like TCU tonight. A team with a lot of former four four star guys, a transfer running back from Alabama who doesn't even play for TCU really. And um K State just they they thrashed him. They did. It was impressive. And that's one week after TCU
0: thrashed BYU. Um what was that score? Forty four to eleven. Forty four to eleven, right? <laughs> that's a That's a heck of a win here by K-State to really flip the script on TCU. 41-3 here in Manhattan, Kansas. Stay tuned on Go Powercat. All the coverage coming your way. Questions, podcasts, Cole, you'll have the the Friday walkthrough with Monty. Always do a great job on that. But K-State, this is two in a row, and this can be really a springboard into this thick of the
1: season to, to get a winning streak going into that big game on the road at texas it is it's a great time and a great time to be a subscriber to go Powercat cat and make sure like you said check out the youtubes as well maybe you can see the friday shoot around right pretty soon it'll be coming it'll be coming your way i feel like we better end this before we get another dog interruption so with
0: that i hope me and cole did a great job filling in for <laughs> fits we hope he's going to be back soon but k-state 41 tcu 3 here in bill snyder family stadium tonight Thank you for listening to the PowerCat podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts.